Yep, you're back in the hotbox, and this is the 27th episode of the hotbox, and we return this time to the task of digging into the files of piano jazz, a labour of love that has so far yielded over nine hours of music here, buried in the digital miracle that is jazzireland.ie, and by the way, available worldwide on iTunes as a podcast. Well, aficionados will recall we had trouble fitting in all the H files into a show of reasonable length, but due to the paucity of musicians in the I file, we kind of fudged it. No such luck when we come to the letter J. The files are bulging and the names are very big indeed. Expect to hear Ahmad Jamal, Keith Jarrett and Hank Jones. And back into the mist, even before jazz was jazz, beyond Johnson to Scott Joplin. But first, let's journey down to Wexford, where is a realist painter of considerable repute called Paul James, and he combines his extraordinary artistic skills as a painter with his musical identity as a composer and piano player. He calls this composition Boomerang Boogie. Uh, it kind of has the ring of the old Humphrey Littleton hit, if you're old enough to remember Bad Penny Blues. But as Paul says, he got the title in his head because the riff keeps coming back and back. Thank you. 
Paul James there with his own boomerang boogie, giving us a lively lead into the J file of piano players. And what a lot we got. Um, So we'll go straight away to a time when jazz maybe was confined to a tiny corner of New Orleans and an unholy merger was about to occur between the formally directed quadrilles of the French upper classes and the African rhythms and shouts of slavery. This, of course, is from a piano player or play a piano and it is uh, a piece of Scott Joplin. Joplin, Stop Time Rag, uh, the king of ragtime as he was known. His appearance at the World Fair in Chicago in 1893 um, had an effect of making ragtime into a kind of craze that swept America, indeed, to some extent, the world. He eventually overreached himself by going beyond ragtime and uh, playing to paying trying to play, uh, trying to get established a full-time ragtime opera which really broke his spirit and eventually died of uh, complications of syphilis in 1917 at just the age of 48. By that time, uh, jazz had 
begun to take an early foothold. The very first jazz music had been recorded the year earlier and the sophistication of stride piano was just around the corner. One of its leading proponents was the great James P. Johnson and he is here with the Fats Waller composition I've Got a Feeling I'm Falling. Waller, of course, was a devotee of the slightly older Johnson so this was kind of returning a compliment, I guess. playing there of James P. Johnson. Well, we're a bit in danger of getting into a kind of chronological review of the the letter J, so I think we ought to break that. There are a few people with even a passing acquaintance with jazz who haven't heard of our next J, Keith Jarrett. His, his long career has been hugely successful commercially and musically, although there's a kind of elitist quality to his music, certainly latterly. Uh, he first came to public attention as a member of Charles Lloyd's quartet way back in the 60s, which managed that quartet managed to jump over the yawning divide between popular music and jazz 
and yet never for a second compromised itself. It stayed true to its art. And the same really has to be said of Jared. His live performances are very popular all over the world, and I've been lucky enough to see a couple starting back in the late 60s in Dublin for the prize of 12 and sixpence, and latterly in the idyllic surroundings of the little open-air arena in Antibes in France. And it was at Antibes that this next recording was made. Audiences uh, for his trio concerts really wait for those moments when some spark, some hidden thing sets the trio into a new groove and the whole performance takes on an aerial quality of pure inspiration. It doesn't always happen, but on this occasion it did.
the Keith Jarrett trio there with Gary Peacock on the bass and Jack DeJohnette, of course, on the drums. That's from their album Up For It, which was the title of that last piece of improvisation. It was recorded in Joie Les Pins in July 2002. We'll come back to Jarrett in a moment because actually, believe it or not, there are 35 albums by him in this particular J file of piano players and it would be a shame or even a sin perhaps not to sample some more. But let's throw in Mr. Ahmad Jamal to the J-Mix now, one of the most influential pianists of all time, with his clear departure from the ways of bebop, which so excited Miles Davis during that era. He's wavered in style over his immensely long career, but latterly has reverted to his older style, and very exciting it is too. This is called Saturday Morning from 2013. It's not with his regular band. It's got Reginald Veal on the double bass and Herlin Riley on the drums and an extra percussionist added, Manolo Badrena.
great Ahmad Jamal there. He hails from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he's still very much with us. He's 83 now. And we last heard from him live um, in Ireland at the Cork Jazz Festival, I think, with what might be described as his regular band, which we'll hear from a little bit later on. But now uh, to an album by another J piano player, Duke Jordan. Perhaps uh, at the time better known as an A&R man because he was the kind of ex officio A&R man in the Blue Note Record Company when it was an independent company. Here he is, though, playing uh, with um, Dizzy Reese, the short-lived trumpet player, uh, Stanley Tarantine, um, tenor Reggie Workman and Art Taylor with the rhythm section. There's nothing record producers like better than a pun on the musician's name. So they called this one Flight to Jordan. <laughs> Thank you. 
flight to Jordan there from the 1960 album of the same name. And uh, that clocks us in our penultimate pianist filed under J. There is one more and we'll get to him after another outing from Keith Jarrett, who's famous, of course, for his huge solo concerts when, according to himself... He sits at the piano and plays with a completely open mind. Sometimes genius is revealed, sometimes he has to fall back on playing some tunes, as happened uh, when he was in Dublin at the NCH recently. It, was, it would uh, maybe be too lengthy to play some of those gigantic improvisations, and in any case, you can actually stream most of them now. So I've gone to the Carnegie Hall concert from 2006 when he completed the concert after one very long piece that he had improvised and he called it The Good America. I think that was, yeah, it was before The Current America uh, with some of his little pieces and a couple of standards. And this is his. Um, the audience certainly recognised it. It's called My Song.
kind of sweet was that? Um, <laughs> I think he played that uh, probably to get the audience to go home. But at the start, I was worried that the audience might actually start clapping along with the rhythm. They sort of felt like doing it, didn't they? Well, let's stay with Jarrett for a, a while. Um, he made a fine album with the late bass player, Charlie Hayden, staying up late at night, I think, at his home studio and playing together just for the pleasure of it. And it's a lovely album. This is a very different play you're going to hear, Bud Powell's Dance of the Infidels.
Keith Jarrett there showing off his chops with the Bud Powell tune, uh, Dance of the Infidels there with the um, the late bass player, the late great bass player, Charlie Hayden. Um, the last of the J players in my file is Hank Jones, the oldest of the three super talented Jones brothers, Thad, the trumpet player and band leader and composer, and Elvin, the extraordinary life force behind the drums on so many recordings. Well, Hank, or Henry, as they sometimes called him, was the most elegant of players. He was of the bebop era, and yet not enslaved by it. Latterly, he made a really charming album of tunes composed by his brother Thad, and this one is called Ah Henry. According to Thad, when he gave the music written out to his brother, he sat back and listened while Henry played it, and at the end all he could say was, Ah, Henry... Thank you. 
Henry from the absolutely delicious Hank Jones with his brother Elvin on the drums, George Moraz as the bass player, and they were playing the middle brother's tune, Ah, Henry. I promised to go back to some more Ahmad Jamal and his band of regulars, and uh, this same band that appeared at the Cork Jazz Festival way back when. James Kamak on the bass and Idris Mohammed on the drums, and they're joined, as they were in Cork, by George Coleman on the tenor saxophone. Irving Berlin's How Deep Is The Ocean? Thank you. 
And to think Ahmad Jamal was originally dissed by some of the hard-edged jazz community as nothing but a cocktail pianist. Well, it took Miles Davis to put them right on that. How deep is the ocean there with a great reading, I think, by Ahmad Jamal with James Kamak, Idris Mohammed, and George Coleman. Well, alas, the lid of the hotbox is beginning to close down on me, so we might just get one more Hank Jones piece in to end us on a nice, classy note. Maybe from an earlier uh, an earlier album, which was dedicated to his father, from 2004. This is Softly as a Morning Sunrise. <laughs> Thank you. 
softly as in a morning sun sunrise. Uh, this has been uh, Hank Jones with George Mraz again on the bass and uh, Dennis McCrell on the drums. Almost too delicate a uh, brush solo there. I could hardly hear it, so I don't know how you got on. Well, this has been the J file of piano players, and uh, now we're going to start work on the K file, of course, for... Uh, a programme coming along in about a month's time. But I hope you've enjoyed the music in this one as much as I have. And for now, anyway, if you have been, thanks for listening. <laughs>